Welcome back once again to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kent Wyrock. Joining me once again are my three cohorts, Jen Smith, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. We call them Betts and Okada for short because I confuse them literally all the time. How are you guys doing today? Are we doing good? Peachy. Doing great. Ready to talk some more uh, running backs. Yeah, we kind of we kind of went a little long on our first show. We were originally planning to do all 10 in one show and then we're just a couple of chatterboxes. So we started going off on our favorite guys or arguing about other ones we didn't think we're going to have so much success. So, we went a little long. We decided to split it into two. We're going to cover the rest of these guys. And now the guys we're talking about today are kind of lower ranked than the ones we talked about earlier. Uh, some of them are being drafted, you know, middle to late rounds in redraft leagues right now. And then some of them aren't even really being drafted at all. But I think it's important that the listeners are keyed in on these situations to know whether or not they're going to be like a waiver claim in the middle of the year. Uh, someone that you're going to be willing to stake a lot of your fab or maybe a high priority waiver on, on snagging if the leader of that backfield goes down. So we're going to talk about these guys a little bit, whether or not we like the situations. Um, before we do that, we're going to talk about a couple little bits of news and notes. And now again, OTAs are still going on. Uh, nothing major at this point, but a couple of guys have joined the ranks once again. Uh, Carson Wentz for the Eagles is back working seven on seven drills. That's good to see because he tore his ACL, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, at the end of the last season, and it's important to see him get back into the swing of things. Uh, you know, Matt uh, Betts, l- let me hear kind of like the medical side, like seeing him back in the game already. Is that a is that a good thing, or do you think he's maybe pushing it by jumping out there this early? No, I mean he's definitely ahead of schedule at this point. Um, and you're right, he did tear the ACL and the LCL in his left knee. Um, that was during the team's Week 14 matchup uh, against the Rams. So that was mid December. Um, you know, and if, if week one comes around and he's ready to go, he'll kind of be right at that nine month mark, which, uh, is pretty much right on track. It's on the earlier side of on track, but still, I don't think pushing it. And I don't think it's, it's too soon. Um, we tend to see that, you know, time passing, isn't always the criteria for being ready. He needs to check off the milestones. So, um, you know, full strength, no instability, confident in his knee. And, and, you know, he needs to feel like he's not going to get re-injured because when you see these players move, in ways that isn't natural is when we have those re-injuries occur. Um, and I know it's only a video, so you can't really read into it too much, but there is a, a video of him online of him stepping into his throw on the left leg, and he plants hard and you know fires it just like he normally does. So he looks confident, he looks good, and if he's participating at this level um, at this point in the offseason program, I do expect him to be out there uh, week one. And, and Chris Mortensen from ESPN also reported that this week. So all signs uh, are pointing to week week one return for Wentz well that's that's got to be good news I mean this is a guy who came off just an electric season his second year in the league so uh looking forward to see him expand his game even further uh Jen or Okada do you have any any comment on him getting back in the game already not necessarily him getting back in the game already um I think we were all hoping for that and looking for that 
I think what concerns me about him is that he's been pretty outspoken about that he's not going to change his game or be any more conservative um, with running and scrambling and that sort of thing. And I don't know if you guys have heard this or read more about this or maybe know a little bit more, but it just seems like with the coaching staff, like there's been a little bit of tension there as far as they might have been talking to him about maybe changing his play a bit or maybe being a little bit more conservative on the runs. And he has been out in the media and saying, I'm not going to change my game. If I'm 100%, I'm going to play like I've always played. And so really, I think for redraft owners, it's, is he going to get re-injured? Um, is that necessarily a risk that you want to take? Because guess what? If he's going to play the same way, he's going to be mobile. That's the kind of ones you want to see, right? That's the successful guy that we watch. But at the same time, if he is that guy again, the chances of re-injury, I mean, maybe that's can you know, maybe expand a bit, but does that increase the likelihood? The likelihood does it increase the risk? I think for owners with a guy that's going pretty early uh, in drafts right now for a quarterback. Um, me, I'm a person that usually waits, so I know I'll probably have zero shares of him in redraft. But I mean, I think for those that are going to take a swing, that's something that they're concerned about. Yeah, definitely. And and his you know ability to scramble and make plays inside and outside of the pocket was a huge reason why he was successful last year um he broke down or i shouldn't say he broke down rather the offensive line broke down a few times and he just you know houdini uh kind of pulled a rabbit out of the hat and um is just mobile and that's what he does and that's how he's successful i think you can argue either side there um you know when i rehab these athletes and i see these guys play i want to see them literally feel like they're 100% and nothing ever happened to their knee. So the fact that he's coming out and saying, like, I'm going to play the way I play, that's my game, that's that's how I'm going to do it, uh, sounds good to me. At the same time, you do have that exposure. So um, I think it was two years ago, maybe, we saw Joe Flacco, obviously not a very mobile quarterback, play with a torn ACL. So different type of player, different demands on the body. So a pocket passer can play with um, minimal concerns, and a, a rushing quarterback definitely has those concerns. So um I think the concern is valid, but like I said, we see these re-injuries happen when players move in awkward or protective ways. So if he's confident and he's moving well, um, I think we can we can be okay with him playing how he used to play last year. Real quick, speak, speaking of running quarterbacks, he is currently going one spot ahead in terms of quarterback rankings of Cam Newton. Now, who do you take between those two guys for this year? Because I personally, I think I'm on the Cam Newton train over Wentz here same I have Cam at least a few spots above Wentz personally people are putting a six-round pick into Carson Wentz right now and I don't know if I'm ready to pony up for that that's my only concern with Wentz yeah I think that's definitely too early for me I just in general my strategy regardless is wait on quarterback it's such a deep position so um I'm probably not gonna have either Cam Newton or Carson Wentz this year for that reason but definitely too early for me and uh i think the rushing upside of cam i would i would take the edge cam if i was gonna choose one but not for me at that price yeah so all right that's that's enough about Wentz. that's a good chatter there um let's move on to another guy who's back in action my boy dalvin cook for the minnesota vikings lead running back is looking at getting back on the field getting some team drills done i don't think he's doing any uh you know, seven on sevens or 11 on 11 type stuff yet. He also is recovering from an ACL tear, which happened a little bit before Carson Wentz uh, tore his and had his injury. So seeing him back in the field is good. I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a solid sophomore year here. 
uh, in a totally revamped Vikings offense. Uh, I think we've got a good look going into the season. So I'm pretty excited about Dalvin Cook. I'm going to be, you know, I live in Minnesota, so he's going to go way higher in most of my leagues than I think I'm going to be ready to, to pay for him. But you know, it, I want to watch him. I want to watch him play for the Vikings and I'm excited for that factor, but, uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any comments on him and how he's going to do year number two? Yeah, personally, Cook is actually my favorite running back outside of the Elite Four. I have him ranked fifth, which, I mean, we'll see how bold that is as uh, the preseason continues to roll along, especially how maybe they break up carries between him and Latavius Murray. But to me, he looked extremely good when we saw him early in the season. He's for sure a three down back or has that capability. And this offense is, uh, I think, nearly elite, probably even elite now with Cousins at the helm. And the defense is definitely elite, which helps running back uh, in any offense. So in this case, I think it helps Cook. Um, So for me, yeah, I I have him ahead of Kamara. I have him ahead of Gordon. Barkley is close for me right around there. But other than those guys... Or outside of those elite four, Gurley, Bell, Johnson, Elliott, Cook's my fifth guy, so I love him. I've gone at seven. I have him after the guys you mentioned. I have him after uh, Kamara and Melvin Gordon because after the injury to Hunter Henry, I thought um, Gordon, that could only help him as far as giving him a few more targets out of the backfield. Um, But yeah, it's close. I have Dalvin right after that at seven, but before Barkley. So I'm definitely looking for him to be healthy. I would love to see this offense. And plus, if, if they're as successful as we think this offense might be, they'll be up and he'll get more carries from the clock. Murray's a concern, of course. We don't know what his involvement will be, but I'm excited to see, uh, based on what we saw at the beginning of last season before he got injured, I've got definite shares of Cook um, going. If I've got a, a pick right around that area, it will be a difficult thing to pass on him, just depending on where your pick falls in that first that first round but he's up there yeah and he's looking he's looking solid like you mentioned uh can't coming back from that 20 acl he tore his in week four um so he's going to be right around that one year mark or i guess 11 months we should say uh when week one rolls around the fact that he's participating at this level um at the level that he is um he looks explosive he looks confident um and i'm expecting him to be ready to go week one absolutely no reservations for me so i think that your Top 10 ranking Okada and Jen uh, is certainly warranted, and I'm right there with you. I think I have him at like eight or nine. So all systems go for me for uh, Dalvin Cook. Solid. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll touch on our our top 10 running back and wide receiver quarterback rankings as we get closer to the season. For now, we're going to move on. Uh, We actually have kind of an interesting story here. Now, this was a TMZ headline, so it does have maybe a little bit of flair to it. Uh, But, you know, it's something that happened, and we'll talk about it real quick. Kareem Hunt allegedly punched a man in the face at an Ohio resort, which apparently exists. Um, so, what resort was he at? I'm in Ohio. That's a great question. You should go. You should go hang out there and see if he can't. I go. I gotta go track him. Maybe he'll punch you in the face too. No. Um. Apparently. <laughs> Wouldn't that be that would be a hell of a pod the next week, right? Uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, there was another guest at this so-called resort in Ohio. That made fun of Hunt. We'll we'll call, we'll leave it at that, and then kind of harassed his girlfriend. So I think he retaliated to that, and it sounds like the alleged victim is not going to press any charges and did not seek medical attention. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal, but just something to throw out there in case you do hear of him 
getting some like two game suspension because the NFL just has no basis for their penalties when it comes to this kind of stuff. Does uh you know just does the fact that he's not seeking medical attention give us any worry about Hunt's strength at all? Yeah, I don't think he's been working out enough this <laughs> offseason if he can't even hurt uh, an average Joe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm immediately dropping him down in my ranks right now. Can't even break a guy's nose. Yeah, let's let's not try and have our players doing physical assault combines in the offseason. That, that would be pretty great. So, anyway, that's the last little bit of news. Uh, that we'll leave there just just so you know about it in case it pops up and and real quick before we do jump into the rookie running backs we're going to go ahead and start reading a review every episode we are out here trying to make a good podcast and we're brand new so we're trying to you know get into the groove of things we're going to have parts where we need work and hopefully we have parts where we do things well so let's read some reviews as we go along this one came in from a guy named big will 7790 because one through seven, seven, eight, nine, we're all taken. And we're going to go ahead and read his review real quick. It was on iTunes. Um, he says, this is an amazing fantasy football pod, chock full of great insight, big energy, and like hours and hours of Patriot running back talk from awesome, quirky, top-notch, top-notch analysts. As far as improvements, maybe you could end every pod with like some type of prediction segment, either fantasy related or not. The other things will come together with time. So thank you. Yes, we do have a couple things we could work on. And so we'll maybe try and do a prediction segment, talk about guys we want to, you know, make a bold claim on, you know, make our put our stake down and, and let people know that we're all in a, on a guy and we want to predict a certain outcome for him in terms of maybe like yards or touchdowns we'll refine that we'll come back with that maybe in the next episode or or maybe when we get past the rookies so thank you big will we big appreciate will. the review yeah. yeah solid fan shout out it's to big, big will. will i think we're, the big we're... energy they were talking about ken is you and your big voice sometimes you know? yeah i i try and you know get get things a little <laughs> excited in here i'm and big will you have a fantastic username on itunes please don't let me bring you down on that that's just my my little joke there for you so we do appreciate the review uh and hopefully we can get that prediction segment worked in at some point so on that note let's go ahead and move on to part two of the rookie running back review in terms of redraft i am going with full alliteration here this evening um up first a guy who needs an introduction because we haven't brought up anything about him yet. Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers is going to be the first guy we talk about. And boy, he's my all in guy. I'll tell you this right off the bat. I just want to start this one with a bang. I want Ronald Jones because I don't think that anyone in Tampa Bay has really been the guy for years upon years since Doug Martin first got drafted to them. I don't think they've really had a solid running back. And even Doug Martin himself, he's had a really strange career where he's had two really good seasons and then four really bad seasons. So, you know, maybe he wasn't that guy and he only would, was good for those two seasons because he got a lot of touches. And that's something that I think is kind of realistic. I think that the current talent there is lackluster. I don't think it's anyone great. I think that's kind. Peyton Barber, yeah, exactly. I'm kind of overselling them a little bit, but Peyton Barber is no one special. I think they still have, um, what's his name? Chris the guy Sims. that had, 
yeah, Sims is there, but he's never really been anything. Um, yeah, no, I think they need someone to come in and take over, and Ronald Jones is a guy who can do that for them. And frankly, this offense has kind of been trying to find a groove. You know, they have a lot of pieces at this point. You know, it's now the fourth season for Jameis Winston. They have Mike Evans, who is coming into his own now, finally, in his, I think, fourth or fifth year now as well. And then they have a couple of other young wide receivers and some veteran talent there as well. And a decent offensive line situation, as far as I'm aware. So why would you not bring in a guy with a reasonably high draft pick and start going with him? And I'm sure I'll get crap from Jen for using the draft pick argument here since we went the other way on that last episode. But I don't know. Um, Betts, you, you seem to not, not like Ronald Jones. T- tell me why. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy that I've kind of flip flopped on through the off season when he came out of college, watching some of his tape and, uh, I was kind of excited about him, but then the more I watched, the less excited I was. I think it was cause I was just watching him, you know, reel off like 50 yard runs every now and then. But in general, without those runs, he just seems like an average running back. Um, he doesn't really profile as a pass catching back. And so if you're playing in a PPR league, that will definitely hurt him. He only caught 32 balls in 40 career college games. Um, and on third downs at USC, he was getting subbed out for a third down running back that was a freshman. Um, so that's just kind of like one small red flag to me. Um, when you watch him on tape, he runs into the back of his defenders a lot. So it shows vision might be an issue. Um, you mentioned the lines. Okay, I think they were middle of the road when it comes to um, PFF's rankings from last year. So uh, that could be an issue if he can't find the hole and um, you know, kind of find that burst through the seam. So uh, not not super excited about him. I can see him putting in maybe RB24 to RB28-ish type numbers when the season ends. Um, but I think if you're drafting him to be a rock solid, you know, RB 13 to 15, 16 range, I think it's going to be fool's gold. Um, and then the last argument I have against him is just, if he's going to be that guy, why the heck are they looking at bringing in Adrian Peterson who last year just looked like he was done. And I know he's a hall of famer and he's maybe the greatest running back of all time. Uh, but you know, just bringing him in just kind of shows me what they might think about Ronald Jones as their go-to back this year uh, in 2018. So that's where I am on him. Well, real quick, I thought Adrian Peterson news was kind of bunk. Like, I, I thought that didn't really hold up too much. Was It was kind of like whispers through the vines, and it didn't really turn out to be anything. Yeah, it didn't seem like it was anything too serious, but the fact that yeah. they're even kind of kicking the tires on that just tells me, like, why, you know? Um, yeah. But you're right. I don't think it really ever came to anything, and who knows? We could see those rumblings uh, come back again later on as the offseason progresses. Well, Tampa, Tampa Bay, I know, landed. I'm looking at fan, or excuse me, footballoutsiders.com, and this is a website that does a bunch of uh, football statistics. And they came in at number 16 when it comes to their adjusted line yards model, which is they kind of have a whole concept of how uh, the yards play into who did the work. Was it the running back or the offensive line? So they kind of scale it to adjust for that. Basically, is the easiest way I can say it. So they came in at number 16, which middle of the pack. You know, does offensive line matter a lot? No. Does it matter a little? Sure. So they're good enough where I don't have like an issue with the offensive line. And if the passing offense is effective, which they have, in my opinion, the pieces to be effective, the run game kind of follows suit, you know, in that they if they're running a lot of offensive plays, I can see them running more simply because they're hopefully ahead or, you know, otherwise just moving the ball up the field more often. So I 
I think there's opportunity there. I think he's the lead guy straight out the gate for them. I don't think any other running back in that backfield really holds a match to him right now. And maybe some of you disagree, but that's that's how I feel about it. Ken, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Okay, yeah. so it's all about ADP, right? It's all about, it comes down to it, Rojo's going beginning of the fifth right now. And this is PPR, so we don't have half PPR right now ADP. So we're just kind of like looking at it right there. So around him are Edelman, Alshon Jeffrey, Mark Ingram, Brandon Cooks, Jimmy Graham, Golden Tate, Lamar Miller, and then Royce Freeman, who we'll be talking about soon, is a little bit lower than him. Deion Lewis is probably why I'll round that out. Out of those guys, you would lean towards Rojo and go in on him, rookie running back, Tampa Bay. I think I think my strategy would be to kind of start looking at him around there. I'm not going to just reach out and, and grab him. I'm not that all in on this guy uh, as far as committing my team to him. But one thing I I think, you know, we're in it's it's now early June. The the ADP is definitely based on the people who are really in tune with the rookie situation and people get really hyped up on rookies especially after last year. We kind of talked about that. Um I think that, you know, the ADP of some of these guys could fall or at least, you know, in your redraft leagues where people might not be as keen on it. He could probably fall to like 7th or 8th territory and then there I'm all I'm all about it, you know. He'd be my third, maybe fourth running back or or so, depending on how I'm building my roster. Um, and I'm all in on that. So that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, if he comes out and maybe they're kind of trying to decide if it's between him or Peyton Barber early in the season and they're splitting carries, I might I might throw out some feeler trades as like trying to get him as a secondary piece before he maybe gets a chance to really take the reins. So that's kind of how, how I feel about him right now because – we're not going to expect that he's, you know, 20 touches a game rumbling on and getting getting tons of fantasy points. I'm not going to expect that, but I, I think it's it's within the realm of possibilities. And he's a guy that I want on my roster this year at some point. So I'm going to look around. I'm going to try and get some feelers out there and see what I think. I, I'll quickly say Rojo's one of the guys I'm least um, sure about my opinion on for redraft fantasy. Uh, I think... And some of you guys have touched on this in different ways, but I think that he's going to be one of the ones that I want to see most in preseason through the rest of training camp. Um, see how his line looks, see how the offense looks, because I think he is going to be a little bit team dependent. I don't think he's going to be necessarily the kind of guy who makes his own uh, yardage, makes his own fantasy points. Um, so I want to see how the offense looks, how it goes. And that might affect the way I go one way or another. I think he has a lot of upside, uh, but I think he has to fit into the right situation for that to work. And I'm not scared of the guys behind him, so I agree with you on that, Ken. Yeah, and I mean, the Buccaneers ended up last season 5-11. and D- Does that, if you look at their roster, does that look like a 5-11 and roster to you? Because I don't really see that, personally. I think that was low for them. They maybe had a tough schedule. I'll have to go back and look, because... Well, Winston got hurt, right? I mean, he hurt yeah. his oh, shoulder, yeah. Yeah, that's right? True. Yep. And then I think that just impacted them the rest of the year. He got, uh, you know, I don't know. Even when he was back, like he played Maybe hurt. 80%? Yeah. yeah, right? He he was playing through the injury, and I think that impacted the entire team. So I think th- that offense in general definitely has better upside this season and is, is primed for kind of a bounce back. So I think that does bode well for Rojo in that offense in general. I'd love to see them with a back that's actually working 
I've been on a Doug Martin train in the past, and I was burned. So I would love to see Tampa Bay have a well-rounded offense and kind of get behind Winston and be successful. So, Yeah, actually, Winston, uh, in his game, he played 13 games, and he went 3-10. and 10. So I'm sure that he had a lingering you know, issue with that shoulder. It's definitely something that you don't want to have in your QB. So that's understandable. Yeah, it was his uh it was his AC joint. He had an AC go. joint yeah. sprain in his right shoulder. So if it's his left shoulder, he can play through it and he should be fine, but it's your throwing shoulder and anytime you have an AC joint sprain, um trying to elevate the arm to throw the ball is virtually impossible, especially trying to recover in the first week or two. And so we saw that when he came back. Definitely limited in the whole offense like you guys mentioned struggled as a result. Yeah, I actually had that same injury. I, this might be a story for another time, but I was a starting right tackle when I when I was in the military. I played for. I want to hear the no. story. Oh right no, this now. is a, this, this is, is a story, story right now. Right now. <laughs> okay, so I, I was in the Marine Corps, and at the time I was probably well, I'm six foot, and I'm a, I was approximately one ninety at the time. So I was at in a radio battalion. Uh, we worked intelligence, so we're basically a bunch of nerds in the military, and. I was one of the bigger guys that came out for the football team that needed bodies to be able to put out a starting lineup. So I was expecting, I don't know, maybe to play like some, you know, linebacker spot or something, just kind of be out in the field and something like that. I don't know. He said, no, you're going to right tackle. You're going to be our right tackle. I was like, all right. I, I, I never played organized football in my life. I, I was a hockey player growing up. So I had no idea what I was doing. And we're playing against these grunt battalions, which, you know, like the infantry guys who are all like six, eight and lift heavy weights all day and do nothing else and don't know how to speak English. But, you know, they were able to move heavy things. So I got thrown all around. And this one guy came at me and just threw his arm under my arm and just just extended his body. And I definitely busted up my AC joint on that one. So, um, yeah, anyway, I, I know I'm making that a pretty quick story, but. Cat Wyrock, starting right tackle for the uh, first Radio Battalion Freaks. Yeah, mark that Kent, down. I'm picturing, in my, you, I'm picturing you in a scenario that's like Little Giants versus the, <laughs> the Cowboys right. in the movie. And he's like flying <laughs> I was wearing my air, hockey right, shoulder like, pads, <laughs> you know, the, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, on, on that note, uh, let's go ahead and move over to guy number two for today. Royce Freeman. He is now a running back for the Denver Broncos. And now he kind of walks into a situation that's interesting. I'm not going to say it's like a good, in, you know, a good situation for him right out the, the gates because he still does have uh, Devontae Booker there as well as I think someone else behind him. But Devontae Booker is mainly his his competition at this point. So that's probably what you guys are going to be focusing on uh, when talking through him. So Okada, this is a guy I know that you seem to like. You have him on, on the dock here as a guy that you want to take or at least look at taking in your redraft league. So go ahead and give me a couple of reasons why you think Freeman's a guy. Yeah, definitely. For me, Royce Freeman is probably the rookie running back that I'm highest on in comparison to others, I would say. So I think that a lot of it has to do with a little bit of situation bias that I have. I really like running backs in what I see as good situations. And for me, Denver, I think, is going to be a team that wants to focus on playing defense and running the ball. They got Case. They brought Case Keenum in, who should be their best quarterback since Peyton Manning. Honestly, um, I, I'm a Keenum believer. Ooh. And uh, is that even a hot take? Yeah, uh, coming from me, it is. Uh, I'm going to say oh, it's Rock a hot Osweiler, take. baby. Osweiler. Oof. Oof. <laughs> oh gosh, boy, Just that. <laughs> I don't know. It's on the bold-ish side, I think. Anyway, 
But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Anyways, anyways. So Keenum, I think is is good enough to uh, keep keep put this offense at a at a higher level than it's been for a little bit of uh, a little bit of time. And Freeman himself, I really like as a running back. He's very well rounded. He's very balanced. Uh, he's a good pass catcher. He had 79 receptions in college, which is really good. That was more than Kareem Hunt had. We've seen his uh, abilities in the pros. Uh, he had 64 touchdowns and a ton of yards at Oregon. Um, so I think he he's a guy who can be productive. He's a guy who can shoulder a, a pretty big load, and he can play all three downs. As far as the guys behind him there in Denver, Booker is a can't-pass-anyone sort of running back, I feel like. I think he's had his opportunities. He's not capitalized on them. He's been extremely uh, poor and inefficient at running the ball so far, and that may be a reflection on how bad Denver has been just in general um, on the offensive side of the ball in recent years. But I'm not scared of Booker. The other guy is D'Angelo Henderson. He was a sixth-round pick last year. I think he's more of a complimentary guy, so I'm not really concerned about him either. And basically, the way I see it, I think Denver wants to play a slow game, play great defense, and run the ball a lot. And uh, I think, and when it comes to the passing game, I think Freeman will also be a great option there uh, for Keenum to dump the ball to. So I see him as one of the best um, situational guys in this, in any of the rookie class, but especially in this group of later round talents. And I'm grabbing him certainly against uh, ahead of Ronald Jones and ahead of some a couple other guys I think maybe in the rookie class that others would take behind Freeman. So you're going to be all mysterious and not say who you would take him before in the rookie uh, class? Uh, you're not going to tell us? Uh, you're going to hold out? We'll see. We'll okay. see. All right. All we'll right. see. Yeah. <laughs> so I Okada, I guess... Are you going to, you know, we're talking about if I'm going to pony up like a fifth round, sixth round pick for uh, Ronald Jones, are you going to do the same thing for Royce Freeman? Because that's, that's might be what you're going to have to do to get him. Um, I think he'll go a little bit past Ronald Jones. I think right now he's going about a round past him. If I can get him in the sixth, seventh range, I think I would do it. That's kind of right at the edge of where the known uh starters fall off if that makes sense um so like i'm looking at it right now kind of the marshawn lynch's carlos hides ronald jones Dion lewis in fact by that point it's really guys we don't expect to be 100 percent starters or lead backs so at that point yes i would i would go freeman um i don't i think i might have a little bit too much of rookie love maybe it's because of last year and how well things have gone but i'm not at all scared to take these rookie backs uh as high or higher than veteran guys who i don't think have as much opportunity and i i think freeman has 250 touch opportunity probably so I'm, i'd go from in that range yeah i mean he showed in college he was probably one of the most heavily utilized backs in this class in college. So he's, he's shown that he can handle a full workload consistently for four years. Um, and Devontae Booker behind him doesn't scare me at all. And so I'm right there with you, um, Okada, that I think I think Freeman's going to be in for a solid year in 2018. Well, Jen, I know maybe you're not as high on him as, as these guys are sounding. So what what makes you think that he's he's not the guy to take, you know, middle round, six round guy? You think he's not worth that? No, I mean, it, it, well, it just it just depends, right? The 
I might, I think he landed in a solid situation. I think he has an opportunity to be the bell cow out there. But they kept Booker around. They let C.J. Anderson walk, but they kept Booker. He clearly has um, and might be best suited to the passing down work out there, at least might get first crack at it. D'Angelo Henderson, who was getting first um, first team reps here, you know, very recently. That's what the reports now this week. It's coming out that he had an oblique injury, and so now he's kind of sidelined. But he was getting those reps. So basically all I'm pointing to is it's still anyone's game out there to win. And, I mean, this is what Summer presents, right? As far as situation, I would agree that he has an opportunity, but all the rookies can't end up in the top, you know, know, in the top like last year. I just think some of these guys are going to pop, some of them aren't, and he's one that I'm not necessarily sold on. I like his situation, but, you you know, um, Betts mentioned his touches and saying, okay, well, he's, he's clearly capable of being you know, the bell cow back and, you know, really being lead back, but he's got over a thousand and twenty five total college carries. That is leaps and bounds, I think, over the rest, you know, in the majority of the, his rookie class, meaning he's got wear and tear and injury concerns as well. Um, so that pops up for me. And so it's just all of these things. It's Booker, it's Henderson, it's that it's Denver. We haven't seen Keenum out there. It's DT and Sanders had a down year before. I do think Sanders is going to bounce back. DT, I'm not quite sure about with him. But so there's just a lot of question marks. So if you're telling me all those question marks, there's no way right now I would take him above even guys that aren't the bell cow in their cities, a.k.a. Dion Lewis, Tevin Coleman, Marlon Mack even maybe. There's a lot of questions around him now with that back- backfield. Marshawn Lynch right now is actually going, this is showing at least around below Royce Freeman. So to me, no, I'm not going to necessarily take him there, at least right now where he's going as far as ADP goes. So one one part of this, I, I don't think I'm ready to jump on the, the 250 carry train yet. I think that's maybe a little high in terms of touch. Es- estimation or touch, whatever. Okay. You knew what I meant, but <laughs> um, one aspect of this backfield that I think that Royce Freeman might have locked up is red zone carries because he has 10 pounds and an inch, I think, on Booker. And Booker, frankly, has not been too impressive in the red zone. He's had 42 red zone touches for a total of five touchdowns. Excuse me, that is 42 rushes. And there's some additional receiving there too, but it's not too much to worry about. But really seeing that he is not able to convert these rushes into touchdowns is kind of concerning. And I think that the Broncos realize this and they could complement, you know, Booker's middle of the field game with maybe a red zone guy like Freeman. That could be a, an awesome one, two punch. So maybe he ends up with, you know, only around 150 touches, but if he has, you know, the red zone opportunity, he could still be someone who gives you some opportunity for points week in, week out. If he's going to kind of vulture, you know, in a sense, this backfield, I think it's a possibility, uh, something to consider. So if we have nothing else to say about Mr. Royce Freeman, then we can go ahead and move on to one. This is going to be one I think is going to be kind of dividing in this in this chat here is uh, on Johnson running back for the Detroit Lions. Now, they have been struggling the last few years. Everyone's been kind of waiting for the Amir Abdullah breakout to finally happen and it never happened so to speak I mean he's been okay for short stretches he's never put it together for a whole season and now they have a new coach you know Matt Patricia came over from the Patriots so 
We have a little bit of insight into maybe how that offense is going to be designed, even though Patricia's more of a defensive-minded guy because that's what he did over with Belichick. But, you know, there could be some influence into the game in Detroit. So we're looking at some changes there. And Carryon Johnson is one of the biggest changes in that he's probably going to be getting the most touches. Although I don't I don't know. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt signed with them, and he's a guy who's been – you know, balling on a budget as far as NFL teams are concerned for years now. So, I don't know. Jen, I, let's let's rebound right back to you because I know you're a supporter and, and I am curious why because there's this is a big question mark as far as where you're going to take him in redraft leagues. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, right, he's one of the biggest ones, I think, for the, the rookie running backs, question marks, that is, and where he's really going to go. And I... I think what's hard right now about carry on is that I really like him. Like I really want to like love him, but then he went to Detroit and (laughs) you know, and then they added blunt and they still have so many backs there. So currently it it really is going to come down to ADP, but I'm going to talk about why I love carry on. He's just, I mean, in a crowded backfield, right, who really does he have to beat out as far as the most well-rounded back that they have? Is it Amir? Hell no. Um, Blunt might vulture some TDs, but I really don't think he's going to challenge him as far as just being out there. Um, He's good at pass blocking. Riddick is going to get the passing down, or at least he's going to be in there to take those opportunities. So you're looking at, honestly, I mean, if we're going apples to apples, sort of, let's say you take the pass the passing down workout, and it all goes to Riddick, theoretically. I mean, isn't that a similar situation to Royce Freeman or Rojo, right? Well, Rojo, I mean, are we really that concerned about Barber and all that? But, okay, let's just say Freeman. So if Booker gets the passing down work there. So if we're looking at that, and then you're also looking at the fact that he has this really aggressive running style. He's a really great red zone threat. He just, if you've watched tape on him, it's just hard to explain. He just has it, I think. And I'm just not sure if it's going to be this year. You know, Detroit hasn't had a 100,000-yard rusher in how many years? Since 2004? Something like that. So it's not that I'm sunshine and rainbows and I'm just pretending like this guy is going to come out of the gates and just be the back they always wanted Abdullah to be the past two years, right? But he has the best opportunity I've seen there. He's doing well. News out of the camp has been has been good. And I think he's the one that, out of at least the no-huddle offense when they run that, as far as opportunity goes, I think he's going to be the back that sees that. And Detroit was the number three no-huddle team last year. And so I think when they're in there and they're going into that mode, he's going to get those opportunities. So I'm really looking at how many touches is he going to get. And so based on those touches, given his big playability, how much fantasy impact can he have? And so it's really going to come down to where he's going ADP-wise. Right now, he's behind Riddick, Foreman, Booker, Carson, Pro, you know, Crowell. And so to me, well, Crowell, I don't know how you could do that. But the other ones, at least depending on how the summer goes in your roster construction, if you want to take a swing at somebody, it, it, I think he at least has a shot at it, you know? And, and I think that's what we're kind of coming down to with these rookies is do they have the opportunity Detroit really wants a good running back I really want him to have a good running back (laughs) so that's kind of where I'm at with this guy I love him I've got him on my dynasty team which I feel much more comfortable with 
then redraft. Let's say. Oh, it's it's all starting to make sense now. He's on your dynasty team, so you want him to do good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we all kind of get that way. You we all kind of right? get that way. I mean, he has, <laughs> he has the thing a little bit. I mean, argue with me. That's fine. But he just seems to have the thing. I've been watching tape on all these guys just trying to see who gut check come, jumps out at me. And for some reason, when I watch him, I just he, love him. He's a complete back. I, I know that much. I think he's got a little bit of everything. I don't think he's fantastic at anything. And that's kind of my lingering concerns. Um, but let's let's swing over to Okada, who has apparently some some heaters he's going to send your way so i'd step back and watch out if i were you uh, yeah so funny enough i actually agree with a lot if not most of what jen said um but it it just kind of comes down to how we interpret it and the direction that we go with it so for me the reason that i really don't like carry on for redraft and i think that's an important distinction like jen said i think he's much better in dynasty than redraft but the reasons i don't like him for redraft are the same reasons that i like freeman for redraft which is situation um so looking at the lions backfield jen mentioned it kent even mentioned a little bit they brought in blunt i think blunt is a better goal line back than they've had there in i don't even know how many years and he's not any kind of revelationary uh, Marshawn Lynch type running back, but he's an extremely extremely reliable guy who will get you tough yardage when it counts in the red zone. And I think the Lions know that. They've got Theo Riddick, who's I think probably one of the best pass catching backs in the game. Does anyone disagree with me on that? Certainly, maybe top five as far as pass catching role guys. Uh, I think he's up there. So I'll. Even if Johnson is good in the passing game, which he is decent, he's a balanced uh, back, like Ken said, I think Riddick's going to get work. Abdullah, I'm not too concerned about. I don't really expect a breakout to happen there. I think he might even get cut. So I'm not worried too much about him. But because uh, Blunt and Riddick have really set roles that they're very good at, I'm concerned about carry on losing touches in those situations to those guys. And I think that the alternative idea, which is the way that Jen and other people who like carry on might go is that he will combine those skills into one guy and that will be a more likable uh, situation from an offensive perspective. But big, but Matt Patricia head coach just came in from what system? Anyone? Uh, the, the Patriots. New England Patriots. We get which, it. <laughs> All the arguments we had about Sony Michelle uh, and his usability in that system due to their use of backs is to be applied everywhere. It should probably potentially be applied here where Patricia is coming out of that Patriot system and they like to have role guys. And if that wasn't enough, something just came out today. I saw an article tweeted out by Evan Silva so and it said something about carry on and committees. So I jumped in and read it. And here's the quote from Matt Patricia. I know people tend to look towards those teams to have just one consistent runner because it makes it easy to evaluate, but I think that the position in general has a lot of different degrees of variance to it, and if you can have that in that position and quote-unquote call them running backs, but yet their jobs that they do are so vastly diverse, it makes it really hard on the defense. In other words, I think he's bringing this Patriot system in, and I think that they have guys there that are good at the roles that they do. So for me, and... Again, this is the kind of thing where it really flip-flops on this this touch conversation. How much of the work is he going to get, carry on Johnson? But 
For me, I think he's going to lose a lot of work to those guys in those roles. And so he falls pretty considerably down for me. I, I don't know if I'd take him uh, where Jen was saying. Probably not too far beyond that because that's pretty decent value. But uh, if that rises at all, I'm certainly out. Uh, and I just don't feel confident in his touches. So that that that's that's me on Carry On Johnson. And I'm not. It, it's something that can go both ways, like we've been saying. So keep your eye on the situation as training camp and preseason unfolds. Okay. So valid points. But let me just point out that Garrett Blunt is 31 years old. True. Okay. Okay. You know, he's got some wear on those tires. He hasn't been overused, of course. You know, besides that almost 300-touch season in 2016 with New England, right? In general, he's been using moderation. But he's still 31 years old. He's still not the most effective back I've ever seen. So let's say he goes down or gets injured. Who's going to take the lead in that backfield? I mean, isn't that what we're trying to get listeners to at least pay attention to? These situations, you're right. There's lots of guys, there's no way that I would draft on Johnson over with the status as it is right now. But how many guys have have question marks in front of them where, oh, well, this guy gets injured or it's a committee right now, but if, if this happens, then this guy could pop off. Like, I, this is off the top of my head, right? But Latavis Murray in Minnesota, mm-hmm. right? Dalvin Cook coming off an ACL injury, all intents and purposes, 100%, he'll start, he'll go, right? What if he goes down again? You've got a guy like that who is definitely going and being drafted above guys like Carrion Johnson, who, if you look at it that way, are in similar situations should one piece, you know, change. And I think sometimes when you're picking a late round flyer, which I think is kind of where we have to put Carrion, right? He's later rounds in redraft. You're kind of towards the back end. You're looking for that, you know, just guy that's going to pop off that nobody else is going to do, that flyer. You snag him, you stash him, and you kind of see how things play out. Even leave him on the waivers if he doesn't get drafted and be the person that's a week early and snags him off of there before an injury or something like that happens. You know, And so I think that's that's kind of where we, we need to look at a guy like Carrion for redrafters is the potential that's there that if one, one thing happens with you know, a pretty precarious situation in the backfield, he could be the guy that's early down back and Riddick gets some sprinkled in third down work and he gets goal line work. And that is a guy that you're going to want on your roster come mid season. Okay. Let's, let's do a couple of quick pickums. I want to hear what you guys say real quick. So carry on Johnson okay. or Rex Burkhead. Rex. Burkhead. Rex. Carry on Johnson or Duke Johnson. Battle of the Johnsons. Ooh. In PPR, standard or half PPR? Half? Let's go half. Let's just go half. Oh, that makes it harder. <laughs> yeah. I would I would probably take carry on. I think so too. I would take carry on. I just want the upside. It depends on where they go, but I would lean that way. Yeah. I think I actually go dupe there. I, mm. I still think he's gonna be an efficient slot guy, even though Landry's still there. I mean I think it's safer, you know? And especially if Baker if they start Baker this year, I, I love Duke Johnson. So in in any kind of PPR. But all right, one more quick one. Carry on Johnson or C.J. Anderson. Anderson. I would go Anderson. Yeah. 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 So those three guys. Guaranteed those three touches. guys are all. Those three guys are all going after. But you did go carry on against uh, Duke. So we had a little bit of a mix, and that was good. So I just want to get kind of a litmus test for how you guys feel about him compared to some other backs in that range when it comes to uh, at least in this case half half point. 
I have this feeling I might regret that Duke one later. I'm not sure. Mm. We'll yeah, see. I don't know. I, yeah, he's I, gonna have be feeling, like, I have a feeling in PPR leagues, people are going to be like, what the hell are you guys talking about? I, I feel like people have been waiting for the one. Duke breakout too, but I think he's just going to be a pass catcher, kind of like a Theo Riddick. I think he's just kind of stuck there. There's I don't just, know. There's just so much, so many more pass catchers there right now. I mean, he's, Although, been, he's been there. He's been their offense well, in a lot well, of ways. Duke, Duke will be a free agent next year, right, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken? I think yes. he could be kind of an interesting – him and Tevin Coleman, two guys that I'm looking for new teams next year. But anyway, we could talk about that another time. Uh, we got to keep moving on. We have two more situations to talk about before we can wrap up this show and our thoughts on the rookie running back. So this is a little bit more of an interesting one because the Miami Dolphins have done some weird, weird stuff this offseason. And I've heard I've heard people on both sides say, no, their roster looks way better than it did before, and their their money situation is better. And I've heard other people say, the Miami Dolphins are a bottom three team. You know, they they have made terrible decisions, and their roster looks like garbage. So I don't know what side you guys fall on, but but Kalen Balaj is the new running back in their you know trio of running backs. They brought in Frank Gore. They have Kenyon Drake from last year. The, these three guys are probably going to be the majority of the touches as far as I'm concerned. Do we have some kind of situation where Kalen Balaj becomes a redraft asset? Because that, I'm not sure. I don't I don't really know if he's ever going to be a between-the-tackles guy. I, I wanted him to be picked by the Vikings, actually, to be kind of like a pass-catching replacement for Jarek McKinnon in our backfield, which we didn't really get. But he could, he could be a, a pass-catcher because Drake and Gore are kind of okay at best more like dump off guys rather than real route runners so um i don't know what do you guys have any thoughts on this i want to hear how you feel about kalen yeah i do i've actually in the past maybe week or two especially in prepping for these pods really started to like kalen balaj now just to be clear up front he's going somewhere around the 14th 15th round which means you have to have decent benches um, to even consider drafting him. But I think he is a great target if you're drafting early before we see some of the training camp and preseason continue to go on. Uh, because this is a backfield I think that he could win. So it's a, a lot of the other situations, these guys come in and they're the assumed starters, which means their ADPs are a lot higher, twice as high pretty much, if not more. Balaj is assumed to be behind Kenyon Drake. I'm not a believer in Kenyon Drake. He kind of snuck into prominence at the end of last year when Ajayi was traded away and uh, Williams went down. Um, and he's never been a guy who could who has carried a very large load. I I don't know. He could be a big a big breakout. I'll admit it. But I'm on the side that says he won't be. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that. Maybe you can let me know. Yeah, I'll jump in. I mean, Pelage is kind of a weird player. Like, he's a big body guy, 6'2", 228. But he's also not really, like, a in-between tackles runner. So his size doesn't really match up with his skill set. He kind of profiles, like Kent mentioned, as more of a pass-catching back. Um, but it's kind of weird because Kenyon Drake also does that. And so I just don't know if he'll have any relevance at all and what his usage will be in what I think is going to be a horrible offense this year. Um, I mean, Ryan Tannehill cannot move that ball downfield. So I don't think touchdown upside is going to be there. I'm not sure what his usage is going to be. Um, so I just, I don't know. I'm not excited about Balaj. He's just a guy that I'm 
kind of lukewarm on and probably won't have any any shares of this year. So we're gonna the awfulness. we're gonna have the Tan Hill Truthers coming after us on that one. That's, <laughs> oh that's, God! You're, are you're there any out there? There's a couple. There There's a couple. There are, I've seen, there are oh, dozens no. of us. Oh no! <laughs> I will no, say I'm this. not one of them, but there are. The awfulness of the Dolphins is another one of the reasons I like Blage because I think they're going to be losing a lot, which means I think that whoever can get the majority of the passing down work there is going to get probably a decent amount of targets and. Dan Hill's never been a chuck it down the field kind of guy. Um, and Balaj is a really good receiver for a running back. I mean, elite. He had 82 catches in college, which is extremely good. He's also incredibly fast for his size. He, run, he ran a 4.46 uh, in the 40-yard dash. So I think he has an opportunity to start working his way in. And this he may be a guy you get off waivers, honestly, um, if he starts making a few catches, working his way into the offense. But... I think he has a chance because the guys in front of him are not um, elite, clear RB1 guys. Drake and Gore, well, Gore was at some point, but obviously he's about 75 years old now. He's not quite that anymore. So I think Balaj has a chance to take over the backfield. And even if he doesn't, I think he has some passing down upside. So at that ADP, or even if you get him on waivers later in the year, I'm really interested in him. And I actually have a lot of him in best ball drafts. Yeah, he's he's pretty much free right now. Um, and you mentioned he doesn't really have a ton in front of him, so the opportunity could be there later in the year. And you know, Drake kind of exploded onto the scene last year, but it was only because of injuries to people in front of him and the trade of JHI. So the, the offense and the the team in general probably isn't really committed to him as the guy. He only had 92 carries as his career high in college at Alabama behind Derrick Henry. So he's never been the type of guy that can handle a full workload. Uh, so I think people that are really excited about Drake need to keep that in mind too. Um, so Balazs could steal some work there and I could see him having, you know, some relevance later on in the year, especially in PPR formats. I was just going to ask if you all know, um, because off the top, I don't think they did, but I could be wrong. If they improve their offensive line at all, because I, just from watching the games, we're talking about that most likely it's going to be a dumpster fire there anyway. Um, so they might give him a chance, like, why not see what this guy, this kid can do? But at the other hand, Drake, um, last year, a lot of his plays came on. He broke a few tackles and kind of could get away, but he was hit behind the line of scrimmage. Like, I can't think off the top of my head, but I know I've read that it was pretty low as far as amount of yards, you know, that he... Like, he was hit in the backfield pretty often. All the running backs were, I guess is what I'm saying. And so that's a concern in general about any of them coming out of that Miami backfield. If they haven't improved that offensive line, Tannehill's going to get hit. Tannehill might get hurt again. And they're not going to have a lot of room to run, except if they can make the room themselves. And that's how Drake, I think, broke away a lot of the times last season um, for his big runs is because he got around those. Um, the Dolphins' offensive line is, has had a little bit of movement. So they they lost um, Pouncey, what's his, Mike Pouncey, uh, and he was an all-star center. I mean, he was really, really good. So I remember when I was making arguments against Jay last year, it was, it was tied to the fact that when Mike Pouncey played, he did well, and when Pouncey did not play, he was doing not so well. So he was kind of like the key component of their offensive line. So he is now gone. I believe he is with the – oh, he's with the Chargers now. So – that is an interesting aspect of their offensive line. They, they brought in Josh Sutton, who I believe was with the Chicago Bears last year, who's a decent guy. He's a bit on the older side, but he's a solid veteran. Um, so I think overall it's 
probably a net loss. It would be my guess. So, you know, I'll I'll, I'll wrap I'll wrap up this segment because I don't really like Kalen Blush. I think he's not a good running back. I think he's a great pass catcher. He could probably just play wide receiver. And in fact, he should have probably gone to the combine as a wide receiver and just committed to that because his vision is probably one of the worst I've seen in the last couple of years of scouting NFL running backs that I've done. I do it in my free time. So I'm no pro at this, but I, I at least do it enough to have some kind of aspect into, into understanding these guys. So I don't think he's a good running back. And I think that even though he's like 9 million years old, Frank Gore's a better running back than him. And I think Kenyon Drake, who is, you know, entering his third year is bound for a breakout. I don't, I don't think he's in a good situation for it, but I think as a, as a player himself, he's ready for it. And it's just unfortunate that the Dolphins aren't ready to kind of help that. You know, it, they're not going to be a, g- a good situation for him to break out. But last year, on 133 carries, he had a 4.9 uh, yard per carry. So that's a pretty solid average. And if he can convert that, you know, let's say he drops down to like the mid, you know, like 4 or 5, 4 or 3, somewhere in that range. On like 200 plus carries, that's a solid year. And that's not going to leave a lot of work behind for Frank Gore. And it's not going to leave a lot of work behind for Kalen Balazs. Now, my own counterpoint to myself here is that they got rid of Jarvis Landry. And they need someone to kind of step in for that slot role. And I think that Kalen Balazs is a guy who could do that. Now, he's going to be a waiver target. You know, I'm not going to draft him. I'm not going to draft this guy at all in redraft leagues. I don't think he's worth any commitment at all. Not that the last five picks matter, but you know, just as a, as a matter of principle, I'm not going to be looking at him in the draft. So those are kind of my thoughts. I'm not touching him. Uh, I'll keep an eye on him. If he, if he gets like, you know, a couple weeks with like six, seven targets or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be all in, but, and and maybe I'll try and sneak him on when he gets good matchups, but I'm not going to touch him. I don't think he's a very good running back. I think he could be an okay wide receiver. So, okay, let's move on to the last situation we're going to talk about today. Uh, this is now. I I swear I always get this. Is it Naeem? Naeem Hines? Naeem? Naeem? Yeah. Naeem, Naeem Hines. Yeah. Uh, and then also they drafted another. And this is the Indianapolis Colts, by the way. They also drafted another running back a little bit later named Jordan Wilkins. So we'll get into talking about this situation a little bit. The Colts, you know, about halfway through the draft or so, people were on Twitter clamoring for Marlon Mack, saying that Marlon Mack was the biggest winner of the draft and that his situation has nowhere to go but up. But then, you know, a couple rounds later, they took Hines and then Wilkins. So now you're kind of like, well, are they really all in on Mack or are they going to get a couple of dice rolls here and see if they can't, you know, roll a seven, get something that sticks, a guy that can come through and pull pull through for them. Because Marlon Mack's kind of shown talent in limited spurts. I don't think he's ever really put together a full string of games that have been, you know, outstanding. I mean, he's been pretty good. But what what do you think this guy shows? Uh, let's let's start with Hines. Let's talk about Hines. What do you think Hines could contribute to the Colts' backfield? And will luck coming back or not come back, will that matter for this dude's fantasy value going into the year? Okay, so my love for Hines puts my love for Freeman and Balazs to shame. I am a huge Naheem Hines guy. So here's just a quick breakdown. First of all, 
let's get it out up front. He's very small. He's 5'8", about 198, supposedly. He might be smaller than that. So he's probably not going to ever be a lead back in the NFL. But, he could probably play on the offensive line, though, on Kent's team, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's probably bigger than me, right? He could be right tackle. Um, but that's not what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in those early down or even goal line carries with him. Here's what I'm interested in. Hines was a wide receiver and a track star in college before he switched over to running back at NC State. He ran a 4.38 in the 40 in the combine. It was the fastest time this year for a running back. In his sophomore year, he had 43 catches, which is more than the career totals for Darius Geis, Rashad Penny, Nick Chubb, or Ronald Jones. Any of them. This guy is a little lightning rod, okay? He reminds me of kind of a Darren Sproles or a Danny Woodhead, which, it may interest you to know, both played for Frank Reich in their careers, and Frank Reich is the new head coach of the Colts. Just came over from the Super Bowl-winning Eagles offensive coordinator position. Woo! So, everything's kind of boiling into, I really, really like Hines. Now, to be clear... It's probably only in half point or full point PPR. Or how do you even say that? Half PPR, full PPR, I guess is more proper way yeah. to say it. Yeah, technically, that'd be the right way to do it. Right. But especially in full, I'm all about Hines. He's pretty much going undrafted, so he's another one of these guys you might be able to get in the waiver wire, but I honestly would not wait for that. I am taking him ahead of a bunch of guys that are currently going at the ends of draft. So I just pulled it up really quick. Here's some guys going from the 13th round later. Chris Carson, Matt Breida, Spencer Ware, Peyton Barber, Kenneth Dixon, Balage, and Frank Gore. I would take Hines over all those guys in PPR and probably all those guys in half PPR. I got one and, I know I'll take above him for sure. <laughs> Kenneth and, Dixon. Ooh. Kenneth Dixon a, I take over a him. Dixon truther. We, we could talk about that another day as well. All right, we'll have to get into that at some point. Now, here's <laughs> the last thing I'll say is this. When it comes to the quarterback position, you brought it up. Obviously, this is a huge deal for the entire Colts offense when it comes to fantasy. Will Luck play? Will he not play? Honestly, I have no idea, and I don't really feel good about him playing. But here's what I'll say. If he plays, I think this offense is a juggernaut just because of who Andrew Luck is and what he can do. And we've seen him use backs really well out of the backfield before. So I think that Hines can be uh, part of a, a productive offense, get a lot of catches, score, to, score some touchdowns, get some yards. If he doesn't play and it's Brissett, I think he's going to want to check down guy. And I think they're going to be losing a little bit more. And I think Hines might get a little bit more touches. So if it's Luck, I think he's more efficient. If it's a Brissett, I think it's, he gets more work. Either way, I like him and I am willing to reach for him anywhere in those last four rounds or so and I would not wait for him to hit waivers personally that's my take well I mean it sounds like it sounds like he's your guy Okada um and he's just, my boy. The, just he's your boy just to touch base on on Andrew Luck I mean that situation is just an absolute mess um True. from a rehab perspective I literally have no idea what to say about this it's a it's a weird situation and it's just it's kind of one of those things that, like, until I see it, I'm not taking anyone from the Colts. T.Y. Hilton, Naeem Hines, Marlon Mack, anyone. Um, it's just, it's a it's a weird situation. And I know that there's pictures and videos going around on Twitter of, like, Andrew Luck picking up small children, which, sorry, that sounds weird. Um, but not but throwing the children. Not throwing the children. <laughs> and he looks, 
he looks yoked. He looks big. Um, this is but new that for doesn't... me. There's videos of him tossing children in the air. Yeah, I don't no, know. No, it was no. like a charity picking event. Up children. Picking up children. Oh. Um, okay. And it's just, it doesn't translate to on the field. So for those of you that are excited about Andrew Luck looking jacked, it will not make him a better thrower. And it doesn't mean that his shoulder is back to full health. So sorry, I was just on my soapbox there. I've seen people that have come out on other pods and on Twitter that are saying that he's back because he looks strong, and that is far from the truth. So uh, from a rehab perspective, I'm worried about Luck, not only this year, but his career. Um, And until I see him on the field, I'm not touching anyone in a Colts uniform. Well, I mean, how long has it been since he's thrown? I mean, he hasn't thrown anything in a while, as far as we've been told anyway. And, um... You know, if he is, I think it's almost two years. Yeah, and if he is so much bigger that, and I saw the pictures, he's way bigger than he was before. Talking multiple, uh, like inches of circumference added to his bicep, so he's gonna have to like relearn how to throw. It, you know, and that's something that that's not good for quarterbacks. I mean, you bring in these guys from college who maybe have to work on their technique a little bit. That's understandable, but this guy, he, you know, at this point, he should be a veteran considering his draft stock coming in. He he should have been a guy to take over that franchise, and he's you know he's a franchise quarterback. But you know, if signs like this continue the way they're going, I I don't know how they can re-sign him and bringing him on a big contract. I don't I don't see that being likely at this point. If he doesn't play this year, he's cut. I mean, I honestly, he's just got to go. So I don't know. I, and everyone on the like you were saying, everyone on the Colts roster kind of has like a maybe like a half round round bump up in kind of like potential, but if if luck doesn't play, that means these guys are all going to be taken way ahead of where their value actually is. So I agree. I don't think I want any Colts players simply because of that potential value of luck playing. Now we'll see how it goes. I guess there's going to be news about luck going into the season. I, I can assure you that. So we'll wait and see and watch for a little bit, but I don't know. Does anyone have any uh, kind of you know insight into this Jordan Wilkins guy? You know, he was taken a little bit later, day three in the draft. So typically, there's not a whole lot of you know stock put into that as far as commitment goes or touches on the field. He he'll probably only get a handful of touches. But does anyone have any thoughts on this guy? Bets, I think you you might have maybe a thought or two on him. Yeah, I just wanted to highlight him for our listeners. He's not someone that I'm drafting or anyone that I'm like super excited about this year but people should be aware of him uh 6'1 216 out of Ole Miss um he was drafted in the fifth round by the Colts uh he you know had a good senior year in in the SEC rushed for more than a thousand yards nine touchdowns um he also caught 26 balls so he can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit but I just wanted to point this out Mike Clay of ESPN good fantasy guy awesome follow um actually projected Wilkins to lead the team in rushing in 2018 which I just thought was interesting so I don't know much about this guy, and like I said, I'm not really excited about the Colts' offense in general. But just someone that our listeners should keep on the you know back burner, and if he starts to pop up in training camp and early in the season, maybe you snag him off waivers. But just a name, a name to monitor. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kind of put the ribbon on this rookie running back situation. We talked about a lot of guys, probably probably more rookie running backs than we should have for a redraft league. I mean. There's going to be extra hype on these rookie guys this year. We already talked about that. So let's let's go ahead and bring it to an end. Uh, these guys are all kind of interesting. Just keep your eyes on them. Hopefully you have a little bit more insight into their situations. So like let's say Marlon Mack does go down. You'll know that Hines is someone who you might want to grab or even Wilkins could end up getting carries there. So 
you know a little bit more about what's going on. That's hopefully, you know, the goal here. So we're going to have one more thing we talk about real quick before we wrap up this show. The Listener League contest that we have going on currently. We just want to give you guys a couple of options when it comes to getting into this and, and leaving your review, letting us know that you've done it. So if you go onto iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other site where you're currently listening to this podcast and you leave a review, go ahead and snap a picture of it. And then you can either send it to our Twitter handle, and that is going to be at RedShirtsFFPod on Twitter, or you can send it to our Gmail address, which is RedShirtsPod at gmail.com, and then let us know what your Twitter handle is there as well, and we will go ahead and get you down on a list. We'll do a little random drawing or something like that uh, as we get closer to the season, and we'll fill up, hopefully, a listener league, and uh, we'll have some fun with it, and we'll see if we can't uh take on some of the fans who are uh loyal and leaving us reviews let us know how we're doing so uh guys how do we do not a bad show huh wrap up those rookie running backs how you feeling about it love it great show i mean it's always fun to talk running backs especially these guys because they're the they're the guys that your league mates aren't going to really know that much about but because you listen to arguably the best fantasy football podcast out there yeah i like it um you're gonna know and these are the guys that we see every year. There's always someone that just pops up that's a no-name guy that helps you win your league. Um, so these are the guys that we talked about today that are those guys, potentially. Um, so it's always fun to talk about those sleepers. Right. And I, and I think we, we take it from a different perspective of redraft. And I think at this point in the game, there's a lot of people doing dynasty, best ball, and kind of putting out feelers. And if they're out there right now doing research and listening, they might be doing multiple things and being in multiple leagues. And so if they're doing redraft, then they're also in dynasty, best ball, et cetera. So I think this is kind of, we're giving them a leg up on these are the guys to watch throughout the summer. You're going to have a leg up on the, the redrafters that are just going to come back in August and sort of jump in from there. And so hopefully the listeners will get a little bit of an edge from this, at least some points to watch and some backfields to watch. So, I mean, that's the most important thing in redraft is who are the guys I want to take a shot on because there's going to be, you know, those one, two handful of guys that we don't think are going to, are really going to, to pop off. And then those are the ones that are the difference makers at the end of the, at the end of the fantasy season. So it's good to talk on them. Absolutely. Knowledge is power. And that's, and that's what we're all about is getting knowledge out for the listeners. So that is it for today's episode. Please subscribe on any of those previously mentioned podcast sites. We would love to have you join. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review. We would totally enjoy it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Keep your ears locked in on our channels. We will be having some guests coming on the show, hopefully in the near future. So I know for a fact we'll be having Travis May, uh, one of TFA's own, to talk some wide receivers with us for the next episode. So hopefully you guys can join us for that one. And we are going to close out the show. Thank you for listening. We are the Red Shirts. Have a good night. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, here comes the,